1: Excited to welcome Hope College head coach Brian Morehouse and his assistant coach Courtney Cuss to the basketball podcast. Morehouse is ranked among Division III's elite active coaches by winning percentage, winning 87.4% of his 658 games with 17 Michigan Intercollegiate Athletic Association championships. His teams have also made 20 NCAA Division III tournament appearances. Hope finished the 2021-22 year with a record of 31-1, an MIAA regular season and tournament championship and the NCAA Division III National Championship. The national championship ends a three-year stretch that saw the Flying Dutch post a record of 76-1. and It's the third national title for the program and the second for head coach Brian Morehouse. A former Hope player, Cuss has been a member of the Hope College women's basketball coaching staff since the 2014-15 season. Cuss was named a member of the Women's Basketball Coach Association 30 Under 30 Class, a distinction that recognizes 30 up-and-coming women's basketball coaches aged 30 and under at all
2: levels of the game.
1: Brian and Courtney, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah, this is going to be fun. And uh, Brian, let's maybe start with uh, you. I mean, the incredible success and the consistency of success. And, you know, that three-year run you're on, obviously, COVID aside, uh, just remarkable. But uh, why is Courtney here?
0: Things don't things don't really run in our program without Cust. Um, she, uh, you know, a lot within our basketball program um i'm a big football guy not so much as a fan but as a systems like i'm I'm fascinated by coaches that are in football and how they structure how they organize how they're so efficient how they're so detail oriented and a while ago i just made the decision that we would structure our staff like a football team and so i would be the head coach but i would be like in sync so closely with my offensive coordinator my defensive coordinator our special teams coach, our recruiting coordinator. Um, And then we would be able to delegate, but also under the whole umbrella, share, right? So um, I'm not the only person that's running the offense. My defensive coordinator is not the only person. But when we walk into practice, I expect those people to have a plan. We've bounced things off each other. And I think the biggest thing is it's really held me accountable to not pushing things to the side and kind of pushing my own agenda, but like being held accountable. So for example, Courtney runs all of our special team stuff. Um, I think she's super gifted in the uh, culture piece. And so we don't walk into practice without her saying, hey, 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 you know, don't forget that five minutes right here that we've got culture before practice, or hey, we need time for special teams. Like you can't push that off. Like we're gonna need this stuff. Uh, It just has helped me to be more accountable. And I think it's also really helped me to grow younger coaches and give them opportunities uh, that I don't know that you get a lot of different places where, you know, the last three minutes of a game, um, I think people are probably pretty shocked when I'm not the one running the huddle, when it's a baseline out of bounds. I mean, I handed it off to Courtney and um, and she's amazing. So when you have really good people that you work with, you feel really good about Delegating and giving them opportunities and my coaching staff is I mean, I, I don't deserve how good of a coaching staff I have, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it and uh, they have they've never let me down. They're fantastic.
1: Well, that humility and uh, trust is obviously incredible on your part, Brian, and, uh, you know, Courtney, I mean, uh, the success of the program, your personal success and contributions. I mean, there's no doubt there's future possibilities for you in terms of running your own program.
2: Just incredibly grateful for the opportunity uh, that Coach Mo has given me. It's I think it's really special when you have the chance to coach at your alma mater and and where you played. So I played under him for four years, and I, I think that we really just have a great thing going. I I believe in the values of this program. I believe in everything that Coach Mo stands for, and I I'm happy to help contribute to that as much as I can, and really just focus on, on being here and being present and doing the best uh, that we can with with the players that we have. And yeah, so I I love hope. Uh, I would love to be a head coach one day, but hope is hope is definitely where, where I'm at and where I'm, where I'm focused on staying.
1: That's great stuff. And, uh, you know, incredible success, as I read in the introduction and, uh, you know, you guys sent me this graphic, this we mentality and, uh, you know, beyond obviously having talented players, which is the obvious part of it and recruiting, you know, this we mentality, I imagine is one of the reasons for your success. So can someone just give us an overview of what the we mentality
0: is i'll start and then we can let courtney fill in the blanks um, for us we which is w period e period uh it stands for win everything and i think for people outside of our program when they hear us reference it they're like yeah of course you want to win every game uh for us it's a lifestyle um it's it's a series of daily habits of Every interaction that you have, every moment of the day, is a, is really a chance to win or lose. Whether it's walking down the hallway and you yeah. look across to the other side and you see a, a maybe a gum wrapper on the floor and you think, you know, that's the janitor's job. That's what they get paid for. Or you walk across, you pick it up, and you throw it away. And um, I think that we are just a series of things that we do well or poorly. And I don't think that there are really gray areas when it comes to that. So. We want to we instill in our players the fact that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to have a series of opportunities to make a decision, and that is going to form your habits. And those habits are then going to eventually carry over into the basketball court when we're practicing, playing games, uh, how you relate to your teammates, how you relate to your coaches. And then the, the real hope is, like where this really w- we want it to go is, this hopefully impacts you for the rest of your life like the the goal is not to build a great human being and a great basketball player for four years the goal is to build great women that then carry these habits with them for the rest of their lives in relationships um in their jobs and how they wake up each morning and try to live their lives with excellence
1: and Courtney, uh, this is something uh, that has evolved through the years, I imagine. And uh, what what has been your part in the we mentality?
2: Yeah, so um, we actually kind of took the concept uh, from a, a grit pyramid from Angela Duckworth's book. Um, and that's kind of where we started. And she talked about like, you know, if you have a big goal, really, how do you break that down and make that um, more of like a daily reality, right? So we have this, we call it a we're, we pyramid um, kind of talking about the we mentality and we start at just what like coach mo was talking about was like the smallest things picking up after yourselves uh saying thank you to people how can you just be a, a good person every day how can you win the moment again we we believe that you can either win the moment or lose the moment we don't really think there's like a a, a neutral there so we're always encouraging our players to to try to win all the moments that they they have throughout the day with um you know kind of to relate that back to basketball with a big goal in mind right i mean our goal every year is to win a national championship it's to be the best the best basketball players that we can be on the basketball court off the basketball court and the culmination of that is is a trophy and a championship and we're lucky to you know have that be one of our goals but i think the the biggest thing for us is you know you can't just throw out you want to win a national championship that happens once a year that happens in march i mean it's september right now so um how do you how do you kind of break that down for your players and we We really start with the small stuff I mean we have over fifty things on our graphic our kind of our our pyramid for success fifty really small things that our players can do each day to win the moment that we we truly believe will lead to those bigger moments that you get uh, as the season progresses so um it's daily habits for us and they're they're very intentional they're very focused we we rethink it every year um we we check things we cross things off we add things we we edit we do things that are specific to that that year and that team's identity so really intentional behind you know starting with all the small things i think adds up
1: and we're going to dive deeper into some of those things and share them with coaches but uh you know even before we get there i mean it's it's again your program has not didn't start here it got here to this point where you're obviously a powerhouse in division three women's basketball so prior to getting to this point maybe brian was this we mentality there? And then did the goals adjust over time as the program got better, or did we always start with that national championship in mind?
0: We've always started with the national championship in mind. I think that it the, the culture has evolved over the years in how we talk about our culture, how we talk about the win everything moments. Um, Courtney has been instrumental in, I think, help shaping our culture because I am such a process daily in this moment, like don't get caught looking too far ahead, all right? And so she and I would have like battles, right? Battles in a good way of where we, we're, we're going back and forth. I'm like, why are we sitting here worried about the final four? Why are we worried about national championships? We, we need to win today. We need to win the first five minutes of practice. Um, and she did a, she did a great job of A, like articulating the why, and B, like taking a stubborn old guy like me and like breaking me down into understanding that it can be both, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm just so black and white that I, but she's like, it can be both. And so we, we started to focus in on how that's the final goal. And if we don't talk about it, how can we expect to get there? Because if you don't know where you're going, like how do you steer the boat? And get going in that direction, but as we row the boat, as we're as we're trying to provide the impetus to get us moving in the right direction, and how we're you know changing directions as we go and making adjustments, like we have to have a day to day guide in how we're going to get to that particular spot. And um, I think what Courtney has been really helpful in is I used to be very reactionary, right? So like last week wasn't great at this. So come up with a theme for the week and like let's go. And this week's theme is this, right? She got me to think more year round, right? Like big term, long term goals, less reactionary in the moment to be like, okay, I understand why we want to be better at this this week than we did last week. But like we really don't need a new theme this week, coach, because like this is already in you know our win everything mentality pyramid. Like if you really look at it if we did a good job setting this up ahead of time like it really kind of falls under that one. And so that's where I would just say like we've I feel like we've always had good culture, but I also think every coach in America says they have good culture. But I think culture is born out in our people leaving your program. If you have good culture, you shouldn't have 5 6 people leaving your culture or your program. I don't care if the transfer portals out there or not. Like, you don't have good culture if you got five people leave. Number two, I think it is borne out in, like, do you win close games, right? And in years where our culture hasn't been as good, and I look back four years ago when we kind of, our culture wasn't bad, but our culture wasn't as great as it could be. And we kind of reset ourselves four years ago, the year before we went on this crazy whatever-in-one run that we're on right now. And we got into like the disease of me, the old Phil Jackson book. And we kind of like we, we talked and we really looked at ourselves as coaches and everything. But all of that stuff kind of goes into, yeah, we want to win a national championship. It's not a failure of a year if we don't. As long as we've done all the necessary things to give ourselves the best chance to get there. To give people a visual. So
1: national championship and then you go 64, 32, 16, 8 and 4. And these are the goals to get to the even bigger goal. So obviously, this is the games in the tournament, right? And then undefeated in league, mm-hmm. win regular season tournament championships, win the MIAA tournament. Uh, those are goals to help us reach our big goals. That's just to give the top, and we'll get into some of the stats and some of the different specific things. Courtney, you mentioned tweaking this and to- constantly talking about this. Are yep. Is player input involved?
2: Oh, definitely. Yep, we, um, we typically spend time at our fall retreat um a couple weeks after our season starts we we takes a a saturday to just kind of hang out and do some team bonding and this we typically have like a a deeper conversation surrounding that weekend and this is a part of that so our captains first get input on you know in the fall We, we talked about it this summer actually just um through conversation of you know are there things we really want to emphasize this year? What's the mentality we want to have going into the year, and then really do a deep dive, like once our season starts and a couple of weeks in before we start games? But uh, that's where we kind of refine what's specific for for this this uh, this team.
1: And specific is it specific for this team when you have these stats here, these stats that you'll strive for and measure throughout the season? Do those change per team and per personnel a little bit?
2: Uh, they do, yeah. So we we actually reflect on what we've done the previous year, so. I think actually, for example, the year before, so not this past season, but the, the year before we shot 70% from the free throw line on the season, we wanted to up that. So we upped it to 72%, right? So we, we kind of take what where we were at the, from the previous year and challenge ourselves or kind of refine based on, you know, just the previous season and wanted to get better in certain areas. Uh, typically, the... The past, the six stats that we have on our our pyramid kind of have stayed. Those are kind of our core beliefs, and I think um, you know have been a recipe for success for us. So uh, we might change the number, but the, the stat itself itself is not really changing year to year.
1: That's great. And uh, does someone want to give us a little bit of a deep dive on those uh, six things?
0: I'll take a couple of them, then Courtney can can fill in afterwards. Um, you know, one of them is three attempted charges or three three charges taken in a game. Um, The way that we play is very high tempo on defense, like a lot of ball pressure, take away the three, make people put the ball on the floor. Byproduct that is going to be people that that take it hard to the rim and sort of our rotational help side defense and everything. That doesn't work if a people aren't in the right spots and they're not driving people to the correct areas. But it doesn't work if you don't take charges. Now, we took fewer charges the last couple of years because we had a 64 post player who is the greatest defensive player I have ever coached in 20 years and so we took fewer charges but it doesn't mean that that wasn't the goal so three charges um, when we talk about like a, a points per possession piece we break it down to defense and offense Kyle Irvy one of our assistant coaches is an absolute whiz in math and like how we how we break things down and then We just really wanted something that we could bring to our players that wasn't emotionally driven, but it was like data driven. And we are big into data in our program. And so like the 0.5 points per possession on defense, um, that means that you got to play without fouling. That means that uh, you got to turn people over. That means you got to rebound the ball at a high level. So all those kind of things go into that stat. Um, And we've been very fortunate to lead the nation in attendance the last or attendance in defense the last three years or be in the top two or three. And I think this that data has helped us. Uh, the offensive end of it is harder to put a value on in a game unless you have, like, some guy that is crazy good at math, like Kyle. And, like, he has a running total on the bench of, like, points per possession uh, in his head. And so he uses that to give me feedback, give Cuss feedback, give our players feedback on, like, hey, we're at 0.7 points per possession right now. And then the bigger part of that is why. You know, our our kids know why we're at that because we talk about it every day in practice, right? We're not getting the ball to the rim enough. We're not getting paint touches enough. Um, We need to shoot more free throws. Why did we shoot a pull-up jumper? Like that's, we don't do that, right? So like that really helps guide our in game. And then it also gives us a great tool to evaluate the game and come back to our players and say, this is where we reached our goals. This is where we fell short. If we fell short, why? If we reached them, why? I'll let Courtney talk about the other three.
2: Yeah, well, I would just add that the the six stats that we chose, so they're, they're offensive boards, uh, possessions per quarter, charge attempts, free throw percentage, and then defensive points per possession and offensive points per possession. I think those all really reflect our philosophy behind how we wanna play the game, right? Like we value enough tempo, um offense we value pushing the ball in transition and we value you know being the aggressor on offense and being the aggressor on defense right so that's i think coach mo has built an unbelievable program and it's just these six stats are what exemplify i guess his values and what he values for a team and uh what we value as a as a staff for for our team so as far like offensively we're trying to go be the aggressor and get the offensive boards we're trying to be the aggressor and get to the free throw line we're trying to push the ball in transition by getting 19 i mean the 19 possessions is both offense and defense right we're trying to get turnovers and turn them into points and then we're also trying to you know get the ball up the court in four seconds and get right into our our offense and then um as far as you know charge attempts and that's being the aggressor on defense so i think it's more of it those six stats encompass our mentality. On how we we coach, and so I would encourage like other coaches, like think about what your what you value, and then you know have that be the framework for how you choose like what you want your in game goals to be as you move forward.
1: So I love that uh, that explanation, uh, the understanding of why you choose these stats. That's great. Uh, give us a little bit of an insight in terms of how you connect these stats to practice, and then practice to game, because that's obviously one of the magical things that comes from stats.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. I was actually just going to uh, bring that up because Courtney did such a good job of tying up, you know, the why, right? I think that's coaches tune into this. Like they can all see the stats, but like, why do we have those stats? So we're coaching to that. It, it guides every practice, right? So, so we're, we're referencing points per possession on the defensive end when we're in practice. And, you know, when we're fouling too much in practice, like we're coming back to them and saying like, Okay. That's going to put them on the line. That's going to drive up their points per possession. They'd be at like a 0.73 right now. And like, that's not what we want. Or when we're having a a practice where we're not concentrating on offense, maybe taking the easy way out, you know, we'll have a student assistant coach that will stat our scrimmages and everything. And we even like, we even stat like some of our transition drills where there's no defense, right? And we'll say, hey, we're going to try to get to like 1.2 on uncontested threes and layup drill that we do. And so all of a sudden, like we're taking what they're hearing on the bench in in games and we're trying to apply that so that they're cognizant of that each day in practice and that they're playing to a standard. And we're big about like standards. We're, we don't do much with rules in our program, but like we want to aspire to certain standards. So that really guides our practices. Uh, when someone doesn't step in, and take a charge because it's just practice, right? Like that's not okay. You know, that <laughs> you're not gonna learn how to take that charge in, in the game if you don't learn how to take it in uh in a practice. And you know, oftentimes we'll catch people standing around in the perimeter, right, in games. Well, if they stand around in in practice in uh in the perimeter during practice, and we don't accentuate you have to go get to the charge arc on an offensive rebound. Then how do we expect them to do it in a game so they understand that those things are what embodies our program and if they do those every day in practice it's going to then carry over to the games to, to me that's awesome i mean that's modern coaching is connecting the stats
1: to the game and that's what we worked on and that's why we're working on it and making sure that practice transfers to games and you know courtney i imagine like you being a former player and playing in this program and the different things i mean Players are smarter nowadays because of all these analytics and these stats that we can throw at them, aren't they? Yeah,
2: totally. I think it's a it's a very different game than than when I played solely because of of all these stats and the resources that we have now. I mean, the game has grown so much. I I don't like to date myself, but at ten years ago uh, we weren't we weren't quite doing doing this much. And I think that credit to Coach Mo. I mean, Coach Mo's led this program for twenty six years, a, a really long time, and he's been. Extremely uh, successful, but I think that one of the things that I have admired most or learned most from him is his ability to adapt and change with the times. And I think, like we live in a world where you know everyone's on social media and everyone's looking at all a lot more detail than they used to, and we are able to have access to a lot more information. And I think that he has used that to um, his advantage really well, and it's been a, a cool thing to to watch and, and learn from. Well,
1: and Brian, for for us that have coached at lower levels of college like this, I know you make your program the big time, but this is almost like adding another assistant coach, isn't it? The stats, and if you're using them properly, you're adding resources that, uh, you know, just are invaluable for a program, aren't they?
0: They are. And, you know, I I give credit to, again, I've been, I think the one area I'll take credit is, is I recognize talent. (laughs) And when I say I recognize talent, I mean, I recognize like good people. and. To have younger student, younger assistants, and even our even our um, our sports science division of our athletic program uh, to be able to, like we 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 monitor heart rate every day in in practice like we know their workload every single day. Um, this data, it, it's so critical because that's how young people learn now. I think so many of our decisions, so many of my decisions. Fifteen years ago, seventeen years ago, we're emotionally driven. Like you're not working hard enough. Like you, that's a bad shot. You know, and it, like they came as a like emotional burst at our kids instead of being able to say, "Hey, we've talked about this. Like, what? Like, you're not one of our three kids that's taking pull-up jumpers from 15. Like, that's not your job. Or like we can uh, we can reference a kids like work rate in practice based on the data of." heart rate monitors and things like that that we have on them and we're like you know instead of saying you're lazy you're not working hard we can come at them and say hey how are you doing today like um it doesn't look like your work rate is where you typically are well i just found out that my grandma's really sick and you know i didn't sleep much last night because i'm worried about her she's got cancer i'm not quite sure where that's going like okay So instead of me having an emotional outburst and yelling and screaming and saying, you're not working hard enough, it gives me pause to sit back and say, there's a lot of stuff going on in these young people's lives, like give them grace, ask good questions. And then if they're just not working, we can have it out. But like, I think you have to, it allows you to assume the good in your people. Well, it
1: adds uh, evidence to your instincts, right? And then, and that's always a good thing. And uh, just connecting that for you, some of your daily habits that you have on your daily habits at the bottom of your pyramid, take care of your body, sleep, eat, hydrate to be great. You know, those things direct directly linked to what you're talking about in terms of heart rate monitor and knowing if they're, you know, if they're at their optimal level or not. And I'm curious, then you connect those things with some data and some evidence. And then just give us an example, if somebody is potentially in that overtrained zone or you know not optimal level, what, what are you doing with them?
0: Yeah, the great thing about that is um, I have an amazing, he's, he's our head athletic trainer at our school and he's our athletic trainer for women's basketball, but he also oversights basically all of the health umbrella over our team. So that's mental health, that's counseling, that's physical health, that's strength conditioning where he's working with our strength conditioning coach. Actually, Tim is the one that will come to me and say, hey, I think we need to back this kid off and we might be, you know, getting ready to get into like a high transition period, maybe a sprint. although we don't do a lot of like sprinting for conditioning, but like he's like, hey, I'm going to back this kid off today in practice. And when you go to this high training zone, like we're going to put them on the bike. And so it's less impact, less, you know, hip, knee, ankle stuff. Uh, maybe their legs just need a refresher because it just like they're trending down. The other thing is we, we gather information before and after practice from our players. Like, how do you feel coming into practice today? What is holding you back? What is propelling you forward after practice? Like we give them a question there on like, how did you think practice was? Did you perceive it as incredibly hard, hard, not too bad, pretty easy. So like we start to see if their perceptions. Match up with what we design as a practice. We start take all that stuff and we put it together, and then through a, a group effort. And again, this is where I think I've been able to grow. Like I got a lot of stuff on my mind, right? And by having people around me that are that are tapping me on the shoulder, it makes me a better coach because they're like, "Hey, I want to hold her out right now," and I'm like, "What? What? No, we're doing like, Coach, she was overloaded yesterday. Her heart rate's here." she's coming in with this stuff before practice, like, great. Okay. I got it. I got it. Like emotional me, like coach me, doesn't want anybody to sit up. But when I've got good people around me, we can back people up or we can ramp people up.
1: Well, that integration is is awesome. It's so good that you're doing that. And, uh, you know, quick aside, my wife played college basketball. And sometimes when I shared ideas with her, like I hear from her, Oh, that would have been so helpful for me, Mm -hmm. or that wouldn't have been as helpful for me. So to have a resource like Courtney to throw this stuff off of and say, hey, that that would have been awesome for me, that helps connect the dots even more, doesn't it? Absolutely. Courtney, let's give us an idea then. So we go to the values of the program now, and let's start with the first value. We celebrate. I love this one.
2: (laughs) That one uh, is my favorite as well. You know, I think that there's a lot of times we talk to our players a lot about How they talk to themselves, right? Positive self-talk, and I think that as women and also as college athletes, like they're they're pretty quick to go negative. I think we have a lot of perfectionists on our team, and they hold themselves to a high standard, right? So, so we just want to keep celebration in the forefront of our mind. Um, We talk about finding joy in the game and and finding joy in the little things. Honestly, if you walk into a Hope College practice, like I we expect it to be loud, we expect expect it to be fun. We expect it to be one where people are just celebrating each other. If you are able to, if, say you just, you know, missed a wide open layup and you're mad at yourself, but then someone on your team goes and gets a steal and you know gets the ball back for you, like it helps you get outside yourself when you're able to celebrate them. Uh, so you stop thinking about missing that layup and you start thinking about celebrating your teammate. And I think that's very visible in our practices, but I also think it's very vis- visible on our bench. Our bench energy is is a lot of fun and i think that's kind of a, a trend kind of in college basketball right now is to do all the bench celebrations but uh we pride ourselves in that and then i think we take it a step further by saying you know like your goal as as a teammate is to be each other's biggest fans right like yes there's some competition in playing time yes there's some like, people want to take each other's we're, we're a competitive program but at the same time like when someone's on the court and they do something well, like you are expected to celebrate them and and find joy in building them up. So it's been really fun to develop and and kind of embrace. I think that's always been a part of basketball is to celebrate and cheer each other on. But uh, when you're really intentional about embracing it, it, it brings you to the next level.
1: Okay, you just described my 11 year old daughter perfectly. Uh, perfectionist <laughs> things she says to herself. So I, I want to get your advice and. Yeah. one thing i said to her is just literally we've come to the point that i say don't say the first thing that comes to your mind because the first yeah. thing that comes to her mind is often putting herself down in a way when I, I go man man i wish i was this good at your age or this smart or yeah. this you know whatever mm-hmm. um, so what's some advice for dealing with those type of people
2: yeah Dan, we have quite a few of those people on our team and again i, I think that's just a, a Unfortunately, for, for women and also the the age range of 18 to 21, I, I think that's a, a really formative time of your life and 11-year-olds, apparently. Um,
1: apparently. <laughs> they mature you know, faster we, nowadays, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. We talk to our players a lot about not listening to yourself, but talking to yourself. Um, they each have a card in their locker. So it's something visible they see every day. I'm huge into visible cues, things that just kind of trigger your for your memory. So we have a, a card in their locker that has three affirmations and three things that, that they have written themselves. They're pretty, that they're proud of. And it could be like, I've put in the work to be great, or I can do hard things, right? Simple things like simple sentences that they can refer back to. So when maybe they're, we call it their good brain versus their bad brain. So when they get their bad brain, they have that, that visual, they've already looked at it that day. They've already checked in before practice and read those things because it's right there in front of them. Um, so hopefully it's in the forefront of their mind of, you know, I'm I'm not going to let my bad brain win. I'm going to let my good brain win. And I'm going to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. And, you know, there's, there's a variety of things we do to kind of highlight that. But again, it's for us, it's more in the daily habits. It's more in talking about it every single day. I mean, I think Coach Mo does a great job of just like letting that be a, a staple of every day of how, how do you start your day? How do you when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, like are you letting your thoughts drive you or are you driving your thoughts? So we, we talk about it a lot and I think you know it, it's been it's been cool to see our girls kind of translate that into onto the basketball court but also in other areas of their life.
1: Hey coach, a brief interruption from our podcast to tell you about com. Get the most out of yourself and your players since 2014, thousands and thousands of coaches have become members of our community. We would love for you to join too, but don't just take our word for it. Listen to what a recent new member told us. I subscribed to Basketball Immersion on Monday. What an awesome site. Beats the crap out of Netflix. And here's what a long-term member told us. BDT and Eliminating the Fluff has been the reason we have become successful as a program. A Basketball Immersion membership has been our secret weapon. What are you waiting for? It's time to next level your players and team. Join our membership community at www.basketballimmersion.com. We look forward to sharing everything with you. Yeah, that's a super practical
0: right. advice. Thank you, Brian. You want to add? To- I, yeah, I I think you get what you emphasize, and the the longer I've done this, the longer I realize that you can't emphasize everything, but you've got to be able to pick out like what is most important to you. Like you did a interview with the Kentucky coach, right? RLC. Yeah, she's unbelievable. I mean, I, I was blown away by that podcast. And like she talked about Lynn Dunn, saying three things you want to be excellent, at, three things you want to be great at three things you want to be good at, like you have got to pick those things out because you don't get nine excellence. Mm-hmm. Right. So like a big part for us is like the mental piece, right? Because um, if that's not going well, then how do you expect the physical piece to follow? Because the brain is way bigger than your body. And that will give in and that will allow you to give in way quicker than what muscle fatigue will happen and everything else. So like, I think that for us, it's just like being really intentional about how you spend your time. Like five minutes before practice every day, we spend on culture five to seven minutes. Like most people are like, I don't got time to do that. I got to put in a baseline out-of-bounce play. I'm like, but if they can't process under pressure, that baseline out-of-bounce play isn't any good. And so, how they talk to themselves, all that stuff matters. I'm just a really, really, really big proponent on like the mental side of basketball. I think it comes through and where I put my time, how I spend conversations in my office with people, what we talk about, we talk about their jump shots sometimes. Absolutely. We talk about their mental uh, way they look at the game, way they view the game, way they process the game, a lot more than that. Great stuff. And uh, the second value you have on your sheet is we appreciate yeah i'm i'm really big into all of these but um I, I love that we appreciate we have so much to be grateful for i mean you look behind me on my screensaver here and like you see a full uh devos field house uh, we play in one of the nicest arenas in the united states d1 through three and it's even better because we lead the nation in attendance every single year we have a lot to appreciate but we live in a culture that is so driven by likes on our Instagram, you know, how, how many people viewed my TikTok, you know, that kind of stuff that I think it causes us to lose sight of all of the great things that we have day to day. And I'm not going to be that guy that says social media is the bane of this generation's existence. I think social media is great. Like I, I, like, I don't post anything on TikTok, but man, I love me some TikTok. <laughs> and um, I get a, like I, I love to cook. You love, I love some it.
1: basketball immersion Twitter too, Coach.
0: I, absolutely, <laughs> and I and I follow you guys, but like like I get half my cooking ideas off TikTok. <laughs> so like it, you can either use it for good or you can use it for bad. But getting back to we appreciate, like we have so many things that we can appreciate. But again, I think sometimes our bad brain like triggers, you know, the the stuff that isn't really. Reflective of our whole day. I saw a great tweet. I can't, I don't know who put this out there, but they said, Are you having a bad 15 minutes? Did you have a bad 15 minutes or did you have a bad day? Right. And I think so often, like our bad brain goes to that bad 15 minutes, maybe that bad interaction with a professor, maybe that bad moment in practice or whatever, instead of saying there were hundreds of great moments today. So where do you go and what do you choose to reflect on and focus on? And I I just think that's important. You know, I've been extremely blessed to be at Hope, uh, to be surrounded by great people, to have great players here. But I also think uh, it goes beyond just me. You know, I think we want to teach our players to be appreciative of like, all right, when your mom is on the phone with you, like, and you're like, my class is is hard. This is hard. This is hard. How do you end that? Like, how do you end that in appreciation? But I'm so grateful that I'm at home. Right. But I love this place. Because if it's all bad, you 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 might want to find something else to do. Right. A lot of what we do with our players is like if they have those negative thoughts, if they have a complaint, we insist that they end with, but I got this. Right. So you can say it, right? You you can have a complaint, you can do whatever, like oh my gosh, I've got two exams tomorrow. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. I got to get a paper done by 6 p.m. tomorrow. And that's like negative. Part of the appreciate thing is like, but I got this. Because you know what? You've had it ever since you've been at Hope. You're just going through a tough time. But appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate the tough. Appreciate the hard. I love
1: that. I love that phrasing. That's part of the the beauty of this podcast is hearing things like that. And you know, it, it strikes me as like when someone says "I can't," always following it up with "yet," right? It's yes. okay to say "I can't do something," but always add the "yet" because you can yeah. do it, and I that type that. of thing. Um, that's brilliant. Uh, so we show up is the third one. Not that these are in order, but that's the the third one.
2: Yeah.
1: Courtney, you got that one?
2: Yeah. Our this was uh a, a newer concept. So this past year's team, this was our first time having this word kind of brought up, and and we loved it. And I think we we really embrace it. And we continue to embrace it to this day. I mean, show up can mean a million things for us. It's, it's showing up every day to practice, it's showing up and working harder on your own personal game, uh, getting individual workouts in it's showing up, uh, and just putting in the time it's showing up and being fully present where you are. Like, that's a big one for us is one of my favorite phrases is just be where your feet are. Like be present, show up and you be there. Don't like check your baggage at the door. Uh, if you're, you're bringing stuff like let practice be your two hours of just showing up for your teammates and showing up to get better and not be worrying about all the outside distractions so and then we also use it for you know like show up for your teammate what are you doing to build into them today what are you doing to encourage someone and then and ultimately i mean show up for yourself like what are you doing to get better today give 100 percent of yourself in the moment there'll be and then when you're on to the next moment give 100 percent of yourself to that moment but uh, really, it's just more of a mentality of of showing up, putting in the work. Like we want to be a team that's in the gym. We want to be a team that's that's striving to get better every day. We we want to be a team that's in the weight room. All those things, like practical things. But then also, you know, show up for your teammates, show up for for being present, and and show up for yourself, and and give a hundred percent of what you have.
1: Awesome. And then the last one uh, we believe and I particularly like some of the phrasing that you've added to this. That we believe that we are all enough. What a powerful statement that is. So
0: we believe. Yeah, we believe. Um, and I'm going to ask Courtney to fill in behind me a little bit here. But again, I think this goes back to like the mental piece of the uh, and the bad brain. But like, I think so often, I think it's going to sound like I'm bashing Instagram and bashing all the social media things. But so often, like we are in a comparison society and we get this feeling that we're not enough, like we're we don't look the right way. Uh, we don't lift enough weights. We don't make enough shots. We don't have the right clothes. We don't hang with the right people. And we believe that we are enough because you're amazing. Like we, you, you have to believe that you are amazing. And you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in others. And you have to know that people believe in you. One of the things that we really started to reference going down the stretch last year was unconditional love. unconditional with success comes actually people I don't think they quite understand this but like there there's a lot more pressure with success than I think there was when I was just getting started as a coach and I'm just fighting and clawing for every win right the losses are torturous the wins are like okay got it like move on but we got to get a lot better at this that's one of the reasons that we talk about we celebrate right but the the we believe part comes in where Last year, we talked a lot about unconditional love and the we believe end of the things as we circle up in everything that we do. If you look at any picture of our team, huddles, I might be talking to the team, but like we are huddled up in a circle. Uh, before games, we're huddled up in a circle. That means nobody's more important than anybody else, right? My manager is no more important than, than me than I am of our manager. Our best player is no more important than, than our uh, worst player, all that kind of stuff. So, all of that stuff goes together. But the we believe part comes into, we talked about our circle, right? Being our protection zone. Nothing could penetrate our circle. When we're when we're hands over shoulders, huddled up, we're all together. Like all that bad stuff can't get in. And we talked about who's in your circle, right? Who's in your circle. And you have to believe in the people that you're circled up with, not believe the noise that's outside the circle, okay? And so we talked about uh, we're, we're huddled up, Center of Court, I can still remember this. And I said, everybody says that we have to win. Everybody says that we have to do this. I said, everybody's already got their hotels booked to Pittsburgh. You know, and this is like in February. And I said, you have to understand that if you miss a shot, that the people that matter are in this circle, right? You have to believe that the people that matter are in this circle. You have to believe that your parents and your grandparents have this unconditional love for you that no matter how much you succeed today, no matter how much you fail, like they will love you no matter what. Your coaches, if you miss shots, if you mess up, will love you unconditionally. You've earned that trust that they believe in you. And so all of that stuff, I think, really played a big role in the we believe in like propelling us to wins and eventually a national championship. I'm gonna let Courtney kind of talk about the stuff that we kind of did with like the card from Jen Fell um, and some other people are just like this caught on like our our whole fan base like was into the we believe like going down the last month five weeks of the season and Courtney can kind of talk to that.
2: Yeah we decided um, I think it was end of February probably as we were kind of heading into our conference tournament and are in the national tournament. Hopefully, we decided we need a, a little edge, I guess. So we we tried to take again. We weren't making something up. We weren't like this was in our framework. We believe has been written in our framework since October. Come end of February, we we really decided to focus in on something. So we we asked a number of people around campus or alumni or you know different influential people to come speak to our program. I think all of our coaches took a day um, and we all spoke about like what we believe in that team and and why we believe it and you know and then we had people across campus coming to us and and using uh scripture or using quotes or using um just different motivation that that they've had to to kind of instill the sense of of we believe and then the other thing that we we did is if you take like a fingers crossed motion with your hands right so we would take the two fingers that are part of the the fingers crossed and one of them uh stood for friends right we want to be we want to be friends on our team right that we want to celebrate each other we want to love each other and then we want to be teammates so we want to hold each other accountable and then we we cross those fingers so they're intertwined right so so you can be friends and teammates and that symbol had a lot of meaning to our team uh we kind of brought that to to be like a hey when you give that symbol to someone it means that you believe in them that you're their friend you're their teammate you got their back you know you're you're supporting them so we we kind of embraced that mentality i mean we've we've used that that uh kind of symbol with our, with our hands, that fingers crossed symbol for a number of things throughout the year. And we kind of honed it in, uh, for that last six weeks of our season. And I, I think one cool moment, you know, uh, from the, from the final four, I think it was, is, uh, we were up 15, I think in, in the second half of the final four game and the team came, came crawling back and all of a sudden we have ourselves the game and someone calls a timeout. I don't even really remember. And the coaches are talking, right? So we're, we're talking before we go into the huddle and one of our assistant coaches noticed that our captain just, she didn't say any words. She just said, hey guys, look at me. And she gave them like the the fingers crossed symbol. And to all of them, it meant like, I believe in you. I believe in this team. I got your back. Like we have each other's back. And I think that's pretty cool when when you the framework really works and you see it in action. And like, honestly, like I was like in tears after hearing that story because uh, it's just so moving to me that you know one of our captains she's she's an incredible leader and you know people took what she said and just said okay let's take a deep breath we believe in each other let's go win this game uh let's be poised and and get come out of this timeout stronger so that's a really cool moment i think for us is for how this all kind of works right like it i mean it has to people have to buy into it people have to like live it out and i think that we um we were able to do that this year and credit to our players and but also you know credit to to coach Mo for for doing it every day like we go back to the beginning like it's it's a daily thing and you know it's cool when when it culminates to big moments like that
1: well it's so powerful and it, it does strike me listening to both of you how you know yeah some people might consider this a culture conversation but the reality is you've taken it beyond words and you've added meaning to them and action to the words and that to me is the most important part of all these culture conversations is are those words being applied in action and uh, that's what strikes me in listening to both of you. And uh, that's just amazing to be able to hear that and these stories that go with it. And I guess I have to say I'm fired up Dutch right now, right? That's the idea. Um, so at the bottom of the pyramid, just to connect this for people, there's about, mm-hmm. is it 40 plus words? Uh, these are intentional daily habits that you hold each other to. Is that, is that basically it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts and maybe some some of your advice, Coach, uh, mo on some of them but one of them particularly is this this concept of accepting criticism and you've coached in many generations and you've had success in many generations so i'm curious in this generation do you find you have to explain what coaching is to players to be able to get them to understand the value of what you're trying to do for them beyond just criticism it's not criticism it's actually help
0: oh i think the the famous line from coaches is like if i'm not coaching you then you should be really worried right like that's that's common. Um, I think it's harder for them to understand that in the moment. For me, all of that criticism—you know, their ability to accept it and everything—it goes back to not what happens on the floor. It goes back to where I think the real magic happens, which is in the coach's office. If they know that that you love them, they will accept any criticism that you give them. But if they, if they know that you love them unconditionally, you love them no matter what, they will take any criticism that you give them in the moment. But if you don't articulate that frequently to them and tell them all the great things that they're doing, tell them the things that you want them to aspire to do, things that you think that they can improve on, that you're gonna hold them accountable to in practice and like catch them doing something good. Like I I have really, really improved at that over the last six or seven years is, can't all be corrective it has to be catching them even it it could be the littlest thing right just to be able to say something positive which then allows you to come back with coaching slash criticism uh and have them accept that you know i I think it comes back to like this thing too this is a big failure recovery thing a kid throws the ball out of bounds in practice and like they look around and their teammates are doing this and they're like hey you know, make a better play next time. You got it. You got it. Right. Um, It's the same thing. Like when I light a kid up at practice, which is never fun for anybody, um, you know, their teammates then come to them and they're like, Hey, he's doing that because he loves you. You know, like he wants you to get better, accept it, move on, accept it, move on. And I think it's harder for younger players because they haven't been in our program. They haven't felt that love for as long as like a junior or senior. You know, when I get after them, no one likes it, but like, They have had more years of buildup of love and encouragement from myself and our staff so like they can accept the criticism, move on. I call it like you're either a Teflon player or a Velcro player. Like when I criticize you, like if you're a Velcro player and I criticize you and that sticks with you. I mean, I once had a freshman at the end of the year tell me that I criticized her in November and like she was still trying to get over it. Well, that's a velcro player right It it's stuck to that person i didn't do a very good job apparently of unpacking that what we want is like that kid that, that we give them the coaching they hear it it hits them they heard it they're going to do something about it and then they move on but they don't carry the negative with it they carry i'm going to be better at this and there's a difference i love that great stuff in terms of connecting that and uh
1: you know, the other one that really shows up for me is, is how many times you say, be grateful. And, uh, you know, that's something wherever I go in the world, my final speech to kids is always about gratitude and how gratitude can always bring you back to a place of positivity. And Absolutely. I think, Brian, especially that connects back to what you said before, which is this concept of did you have a bad moment or a bad day? And sometimes we define our day by that bad moment. But anytime you come back to gratitude, you come back to a happy place. So talk to me about gratitude and the importance of that in your program.
0: First of all, I don't know that I've always been the world's greatest at gratitude. I think people just assume that when you win a lot, that everything's good, right? But I also think it can make you somewhat jaded in that if, if it's about all about winning and like that's the end thing every single day and the, the games are what matters, I think that you just get things completely out of whack. And I mean, I I think that we're at a point in the United States where like, it's okay to talk about things on on a public manner. Like I just had some horrible mental health as pertained to getting things out of whack in my life, not having gratitude for the daily efforts of people that were around me, like winning being the only thing. And I started going counseling and it changed my world as far as like being a more grateful person understanding like the bigger moments are a series of the smaller moments that perfectionism is not the goal, improvement is the goal. Um and to like give some grace to myself. Like I was like the hardest I was I mean I was hard on my coaches and I was hard on my players at times, but like never any harder than I was on myself. And it was just stealing the joy, which is why to me, this whole we pyramid is very personal. Like We celebrate. Yep. You know why I got that we celebrate on there? Where I learned it the most was a special needs kid that helps out with our team. And he comes into our locker room after every game. It doesn't matter if we beat the worst team on our schedule or the best team on our schedule. It doesn't matter if we play good or bad. He is in there and like in the middle of the circle of our team, spraying a water bottle, like, you know, like we're the best team in the nation. And I'm walking in there going, we should have beat them by 35. And we only beat them by 21. And I'm like, who, what, what are you doing? Right. So like gratitude is like, have, have some gratitude for all the, you, your health is good. Your family is good. Your team is great. You are the best coaching staff in the United States. like, you know, who has it better than I do? Like, I feel so grateful for that. And I just had to really connect back with reality and get more rational thoughts going through my head instead of the irrational.
1: This has been so powerful. So many things have come to light from you guys sharing the game with us. And uh, so I'm curious. So we've talked about this we mentality, uh, this culture piece, all these different words, all these different phrases. Can you give us some examples of maybe how this has impacted certain players within your program?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking about that, Chris. Uh, I'll, I'll give a couple examples. Um, I think being a freshman is super hard, uh, super, super hard. and. Um, I think it's hard to catch on to like the we mentality uh, because you got so many things up in the air, you know, and, and I and I love this kid so much. So I don't mind using her name. Casey DeSmith was just graduated. You are our starting point guard on the national championship team. She's actually the person that brought the fingers crossed idea to our team and like just a, an incredible leader. She's now a, a high school basketball coach and she's going to do great things in the world. But when she was a freshman, she was on the struggle bus. And she was unable to connect, in my opinion, to the we mentality. Uh, she was incredibly hard on herself. Uh, she didn't celebrate herself well at all. She talked incredibly poorly to herself, didn't accept criticism very well, because she wanted so badly to be perfect that any small slight like, would just crush her soul. Wasn't that wasn't like the greatest at interacting with her teammates. And then I, and she would, but she would agree with this. If she's on this podcast right now, like she is agreeing with me, but like you're, you get through that freshman year and you're like, is she Casey ever going to figure this out? Like, I mean, here she is like this. She's a really good basketball player, but like, is she going to figure this out? So, you know, you give them talking points, you give them things that you want to get better at that summer. Like you send them home and, you know, people talk about jump shots and they talk about ball handling and stuff like that. Like we want her to get better at that. We want her to get stronger. wanted want her to certainly have better sleep habits, which were horrible and nutritional. Uh, but then this was a big one that we sent her home with was like the whole pyramid and like being a better teammate, being better to herself. And that sophomore year, it was like she was a different person, not perfect, but a different person. And then. She takes that to her junior year, and it's even better. And then she takes that to her senior year, and she gets elected as a captain. If you would ask anyone around her when she was a freshman if she was going to be a captain, no way. No chance, right? Instead, like, she goes to work on herself. Only you can do this for yourself, right? And we give them the structure, the framework through our win everything. We're investing in them as coaches. But, like, at some point, you have to work on yourself. And she did that. She did that, okay? back up like 12 months ago. We have a precocious freshman in our program <laughs> and uh, she's she's like, Casey 2.0. And, you know, And some of our upperclassmen are like, oh my gosh, can you believe that she said that? Oh my goodness, did you see her body language? And I'm like, hey, Case, what do you think? She goes, that's little Case right there. I'm like, yeah. And so like, Casey lives into her to a certain point, but not just Casey. Casey's like, you know, a little bit of it. But then we have other people that are just diving in with this young lady. And much like Casey, like the year was hard. She had success. But like, we sent her home with homework to do for the summer. And this when everything mindset and, and being more responsible for your body language, and everything was a big part of like what we sent her home. for. Yeah, what kind of work was that coach? You know, body language, how to respond to failure how to respond
1: is it videos is it watching
0: themselves (laughs) well so she it it well she knew she just couldn't stop it and so it wasn't so much a matter of like giving her things to read as to having her like okay when you're doing an individual skill workout and you miss four threes in a row like are you going to have throw your hands up and go what the hell, you know, the gun doesn't work in right, or it's not feeding me the ball fast enough, or what you know, my skill development leader is like not a very good passer, or I, I just can't do anything right. Or are you going to be like, okay, wait, catch yourself in the moment and like practice recovering from failure? So bringing it consciously aware, yes, consciously aware. Yeah. Fast forward to like July, and she comes and works at my team camp and an individual camp, and all of a sudden. Like my seniors and everything are looking around, they're looking at her and they're like, what's up with Bellows? And I'm like, oh gosh, uh, what happened? And they're like, no, like she's starting to get it. And like you come and now we start school this fall and like we're looking around for young leaders and everything and who's gonna help lead our freshmen. And there is Olivia Bellows front and center, getting it done and our upperclassmen are just singing her praises. Um, to me behind the closed doors, but also like right to her face. Belly, you're amazing. Like, thanks for taking what we said last year seriously. So I just think that our culture works and the pyramid works. But we also, as coaches, have to give grace to our younger players because you don't know what background they're coming from. Everybody brings different stuff into the program and everybody evolves at a different rate. And it's never fast enough, but you've got to be okay with giving it time. Courtney, anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that the daily reps and the, the doing it over and over and over again is just something that, that we're really proud of, honestly. And I, I think that it's something that we've seen throughout time to, to really work. And again, none of this works if you don't have people that want to embrace it and people that live it out. So yeah, I mean, I think we, we totally start at the, we actually tend to start with our players at like the bottom of the pyramid. So those 40, 50 words that are super small, um, we don't start at the national champion. We don't start at the top, we start at the bottom. And I think it kind of sets, sets the framework for how how we live our lives and how we hope that our players you know continue to live even beyond basketball right so they're here they're with us for four years and our goal is to just keep building on the foundation that they've already brought in and then you know hopefully by the time they graduate yeah maybe they've won a lot of basketball games maybe they've you know cut down some nets that that's obviously a goal but the bigger goal is um and the thing i i think that coach mo is is really really great at and some um is is the relationship piece and is the you know our are you a strong, confident, independent woman who's ready to go take on whatever comes next? Like, that's what's important to us. And that's what I think is kind of summed up in, in the we mentality pyramid. And yeah, we have the national championship at the top, but it's, it's probably also, you know, go live a great life, right? Go, go do something great. And and you're hopefully prepared uh, one step closer to being, being prepared after being a Hope Women's basketball player.
1: That's just so amazing what you've shared, such powerful stuff. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing the game with us.
0: Thanks for the opportunity, Chris. And um, I'll go back to the question that you asked me at the start, and you asked Courtney. Um, there's a reason that we're both on here. And I really felt strongly about having Courtney join us. She's humble, she'll never say this, but she's been pursued by a lot of other schools uh, to be a head coach. And I am super uh, grateful and honored to like coach alongside her. Uh, I think anybody that listens to this can just hear her incredible abilities um, to connect people. And I know that we're talking about culture, but like she's an incredible encore coach. She's an incredible X's and O's coach. And if she'll wait um, and if she'll let me finish out my career, like I would look forward to like her being the next coach here and like it would be Uh, an incredible honor for me to hand over the program to somebody that's as as talented as she is. So thanks for allowing us to both be on. I know that probably isn't your typical format, but I think you can see how much value added it was to have someone uh, as smart as Courtney on with me. Absolutely. And uh, as you know, probably from listening to me, I am not into
1: typical. So atypical always works for me as well. So Courtney, thank you so much. And uh, Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity, Chris. Coach, thanks for listening to the Basketball Podcast. We appreciate your ongoing support. Please consider going to basketballimmersion.com and immersionvideos.com to check out all the products we have to offer. We appreciate your support and we look forward to continuing to share the game with you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballmerchant.com slash newsletter.